Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, and Well Played is part of On Podcast Media Network. And today, today we have with us a great friend of mine and super excited to have him on the show. We have John Meeham with us. And John, if you want to give a brief little bio, shout out to your book. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, cool. I, I did that. Yeah, I wrote a book. I, I'm, I'm here in front of my, like, this is my mobile office because we always teach it from home. So, oops, what's this on the shelf? Uh, <laughs> I love it. I wrote a book. The book is called Adrenaline Rush. Uh, ed, like, Ed Adrenaline Rush. Like, educational. Ed Adrenaline Rush. About game-changing student engagement, inspired by theme parks, mud runs, and escape rooms. I'm fired up to teach. I'm an English teacher. I'm an instructional coach. Um, a writer, author, speaker, presenter. A nerd, a runner, um, marathons and all that, that that stuff. I need a better hobby during COVID because it's just a lot of running. <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy to be here, Michael. I'm really fired up to change the world. So anything we could do, man. Uh, speaking of COVID hobbies that got like, I need a new one. My two favorite hobbies is one to cook, but like cooking for people is really what you want to do. Like okay. I have enjoyed like learning new recipes myself, but it's like, and then I just eat that myself. <laughs> it's not as fun. And then my other hobby is games. And uh, I, while I have started a live stream with some games called Let's Play, that's super fun. It's still like not the same. Like I really still want to like have some buddies over and you know bust out the board game and and play it uh, you know across the table from each other. And missing that, so definitely need to. Well. New if, if, if you have not suffered enough in COVID, first of all, like to put on the extra weight, you've heard of the freshman 15, right? That extra weight, we call it the COVID-19, right? That's too easy. <laughs> but, um, if, if, if you want, and I know how much you've been suffering in this time away, Michael, for, for friendship, I built an online version of Monopoly that we can play together, um, where then we just pretty much do math for three hours. Um, look at, uh, look at you. Of a, of look at Zoom you. Zoom call. Uh, I would it's, love to have you on the, the Let's Play. That would be super fun play a game with you yeah man let's let, let's see if i can make that happen that'd be great I, uh, I, uh, like i said I, I love i love board games video games uh running outdoor games uh just just keeping your mind active your body active is a good thing and for our students as well in this this time nobody knows what we're doing so anybody who tells you otherwise is either lying or trying to sell you something so it's, it's important to be humble and to be flexible with all this stuff and with that said john and i are going to try to tell you what we're doing and <laughs> Uh, no. So really the whole idea behind this episode is really, we're hoping that people look back on this episode. You're listening to it live here the week it came out. That's great. But we're hoping it's also a resource you guys can use as you move into the next school year. Cause our topic today is going to be designing sort of agile sort of curriculum at the 30,000 foot level. Like how are you designing your course that you can flip that dial you know, back and forth between, hey, we're in person, ooh, like there's an uptick in COVID cases or whatever, and boom, your school tells you, hey, the next three weeks, we're going to be at home uh, doing online learning. So how do you design that curriculum that can support that kind of responsive switch? And those are big switches. That's not easy. Huge, huge switches, Michael. And I think, so to the point, like I said, anybody who's, who tells you to know what they're doing is either trying to sell you something or uh, is lying to you. Uh, both of us in this moment, I think we're going to be very humble and say, we are going to kick around a bunch of ideas, but I don't pretend to be an expert on any of this stuff. I mean, like, I, I went to high school with a, a guy. I make it sound like we were friends. We were not friends. He was older than me. Um, but you may have heard of him on the internet. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and that's so cool to say, oh, I went to high school with a celebrity. 
Um, but Gary Vee is uh, big on Twitter, and he's big in like uh, social media and influencing. But he says, look, even as an angel investor in like Snapchat and Uber and all these big companies that went on to be really successful, he's like, I don't pretend to be an expert. I just pretend to be IHOP. I have ideas, hypotheses, opinions, and predictions. But you can take them or leave them. Like, I'm not saying that I know all this stuff. I'm just saying here's what I'm seeing based on my role in this space. So, Yeah, so I, I, John and I both in the classroom or out of the classroom as it may be in this moment, but we're both practicing teachers. Let's say that. And we're giving you the things we're doing, the things we're tinkering with, where the things we're noticing is working. And right now, you know, at the, at the recording of this, we're ending our 2019, 2020 school year, you know, so these are sort of our reflections and I'm sure over the summer, John and I both are going to process this this conversation and think about how are we going to change our design next year so that it can be responsive to these kind of needs. Uh, so with that said, uh, <laughs> John teaches high school. I teach middle school. So we got those two covered. Uh, hopefully some of it will be valuable information for elementary uh, school. Kindergarten, I don't know. I don't know how many of you are listening. If you're listening, you know. <laughs> Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what's my kindergarten following here. Uh, all right. So, John, uh, you know, in your class, you, you had to switch. What now we're weeks into this, months into this. Um, what's, what's some process like? You don't need to tell me the beginning story. That doesn't fit this right now. So, like, now that you're so far into it, what are some processes you've changed that you've sort of streamlined and you think could work in that sort of back forth model? I, I think one of the things we all keep hearing and we're tired of hearing is the word like unprecedented. <laughs> like, okay, can we get back to precedented, please? Um, but also asynchronous, right? Like, and you have to think like Netflix. You have to think like Disney Plus and like Hulu. Students are going to learn at their own pace. Um, and that means being flexible and humble enough to say, well, maybe they don't need to all dial in and see me. Maybe they don't need to hang out with me at 10 a.m. on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. That's an option, that's an alternative, but for many of your kids, they can get it done without that. So that's been, for me, a very humbling and very eye-opening thing, that when working with teachers on my staff as an instructional coach, like, it's, some kids don't need those classes. And it's, it, it's never, it, I guess it's not new information. Some kids didn't need your homework, and they still were asked to do their homework. Um, but that's, if the kid can get the work done, there are a lot of ways they can get the work done, a lot of times they can get the work done, and a lot of humility that has to come in as a teacher that, we are but offering, and it's up to them to take advantage of which ones make most sense to them. Um, you and I, Michael, share a love of like video games and like the, the Zelda series. We've, we've done a whole podcast on the Zelda series. You should just plug that in the notes because that's like it's a great that's the high water mark of all of this stuff, right? Yeah, that's the, the best <laughs> um, episode right there. I, I don't I don't disagree with this. Um, <laughs> like sometimes I'll just like I want to play Zelda again. I want to listen to us talking about playing Zelda again. Um, but the, the Zelda thing, like. You can play that game through, and then when you beat that game, you want to go back and play it again because there are other ways to play it. That's how we kind of have to treat school, that there's the 100% complete version of it, but in order to get 100% in the class, you don't have to get 100% complete. There's just different paths, different you know worlds to explore, so to speak. And as a teacher, you just have to curate those worlds, like world building, um, which talks to what you said about gamification and um, yeah, no, student I, engagement. I think gamification, I mean, I've said it before. It, I think it... It is one of the pedagogies that can enhance almost any other pedagogy. So here we are talking about online learning or blended learning or asynchronous learning, whatever you want to say. 
And do I think that gamification could be something that we turn to to possibly make more sense of that and maybe heighten that? Definitely. I. Some people say like, oh man, like trying to figure out how to use my game online. Things are going to change. Like there are pieces of my game that aren't working and that I had to tweak and change. But the actual overall experience of gamification has helped in this model because sure. students are more willing to explore, more open to trying new things. And so when our classroom flipped on its head, they were able to say like, all right, cool. And I wrapped some of that into my storyline in terms of like why we're trying some new tools. And kids were open to it instead of being like, wow, we have to log into this new thing. Like, what is this? It was just part of the storyline that we were doing this. Yes. And it, I saw like a, a greater level of student willingness to sort of take on these changes, which is good. Uh, well, I think about um, like if you ever played the, the first Mario Brothers game, right? Like level one, you walk left to right and you hop over some bad guys and you drop down a pipe. Then level two, you're inside of the down, wherever the pipe is, and you're yeah, all in a, a blue level for now. forever. Right? It's like blue and dark. But then by like level three or four, and then the, the fanboys will get angry with me. Feel free to tweet at me. I'm at me, EDU. Go ahead and yell at me that I don't know my Mario levels. But like by level four, now you're underwater for the entire time. And the whole game is like, oh, it's just a new world. You went through this door and now, boom, you're in the water. You wrap it into the storyline. Mario doesn't really make sense, except that it makes sense. There's an internal logic. Oh, this world is all in the air. This world's all on the ice. This world's all in the water. Um, it's just a variation on the theme, which is, oh, you're moving left to right. There's bad guys coming at you, but we just have to think differently. So suddenly you're moving up and down and left and right, or back and forth and left and right. And like a game does that without any real instruction on how to do that. It just sort of plops you there and says, you'll figure it out. You'll figure I love out. that. It's, love it's that. gonna be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'm with you on that. And so as we as I look towards changing for next year and being responsive to the fact that like I don't know what next year is gonna bring, uh, there has been some things that I have learned through this whole process, and one of it is. <laughs> To quote a teacher at my building, Kip Jacobs, great man, he says, or organization is the key to success. That's like his mantra. He says it all the time. And what I've learned is on online learning, having structural things set up. So I have a website that I use. And at first, like, it, it definitely made sense when you were in my classroom. But like, I didn't think about how easy it would be to sort of like snap into other parts, right? So our school has like a learning management system I have to use, which is clunky and meh. So a lot of us teachers put things other places and just use that to sort of- Link to it. Right. Yeah, just post like, you know, hey, go do this this task, right? And a lot of times my task would be whatever we learned about that day, right? So the task might be like reformation, blah, 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 assignment or whatever. One of the switches I've made and I think it's going to be the tiniest thing, but it makes such a difference. On my website now, I have a different like block. I use Google Sites. A different block using the same style block where it's like a picture to the left and then text to the right. And I just title every single one of those Lesson 1, Lesson 2, mm -hmm. Lesson 3, right? And, and, and I don't try to get fancy and tell them like we're Reformation this, Reformation that, right? It's just Lesson 3. The, the sweet thing is when we switched to online... I didn't have that, but now now I do. And now when I have to write like uh, assignments, you know, I can say, you know, 
do do lesson five. When kids miss work, I can just say you're missing lesson five, and like kids don't have to read through fifty titles. And it's like which which one? Where's Reformation lesson? Oh, that's like eight down. Right, now right. now it's just like oh lesson five, whatever that is that I'm missing that. They go read, and then inside that lesson, I have the same structure. The structure being opening, and my opening might be quote of the day. My opening might be missing homework check. Then what I call coursework, and it's literally an outline of what I'm doing in the online learning space. I pre-populate it with the links. So let's say we're gonna do like a, a pair deck. A lot of teachers, you know, just say like, "Hey, go to you know whatever the 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 link is you have to go to." I leave nothing to chance. Like I mm-hmm. literally already have the link there. So they don't even have to like, is it join PD? Is it this? Is it that? Like who knows? Who cares? They click the link. It takes them straight to Pear Deck, right? So I have everything queued up. And then at the bottom, it's it's their like homework or, you know, activity that they can do. And But it's that same structure. Lesson one looks that way. Lesson eight looks that way. And I have found that to be so helpful. And so many students, when I ask for feedback, have said, like, this website makes sense to me. And I wish other yes. teachers would just have that. And it's something that I could see myself taking into now my next year, my traditional classroom. Why not just oh, have my website, like, lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, lesson five. Uh, and then it makes so much easier for homework and missing assignments that it's just that standardization of the name. Well, I've seen some really cool stuff online, too. Um, if y'all are not following Amanda Sandoval, I think uh, she tweets under the name History Sandoval. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she makes some beautiful templates. So she's a teacher out in California. Um, but, like, every week it says, like, week one. And it looks like a almost like a Candyland-style game board with, like, steps along the way and all the different colorful uh, squares. And then in, inside of each of the squares it's, like, a link to the Zoom or a link to the Flipgrid or a link to the Pear Deck or whatever it is. And just like Candyland, which is a game for little kids, like it's step by step by step. You know, when I'm done with step one, I move to step two, with step two to step three, four. It's the same thing you've spelled out, uh, but just presented with visuals, right? Mm-hmm. And that's super easy to scale because then, okay, well, week one, I had a background that looked like water, and I was step by step by step and all these things about the water cycle. Then you get to the next slide, and step two is now. Oh, and now it's like a rainforest. I'm learning about the rainforest. Then step one, two, three, four. Like, if it was Mario Brothers, the quote world was changing from like the water world to the sky yep. world. But like, that's it. It's left to right. You know, I think that's a line from uh, what Tommy Boy. Left to right, uh, top to bottom. Take Advil if you have a headache. Like, that's it, man. <laughs> it's not so advanced. Um, and the beauty is that presentation style makes a lot of sense for learners with a lot of learning differences. Like oh, this is overwhelming to read paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. So to be more modular and say, hey, did you miss Tuesday? Tuesday we did lesson seven. Uh, Wednesday we're going to do lesson eight. Missed, but you want to pick up where you left off? No problem. Right now we're on lesson 27. When you have the time, go back to lesson 13, lesson four. You got it. Like, that's really empathetic and it's really kind. And what I've started doing, even in my own grading, is in our our LMS where we put in our grades, um, when I put in the assignment, they're in the, like, the description for the assignment. I'll put the link to where that form is located so they can see it direct. Just a small thing that like I never would have thought to do before, but because so many kids are doing assignments at different times, it's like, oh, yeah, my goal is to get them done by next Thursday, but if you got it done on Wednesday at 11.59 p.m., you still got it done. I, I um, got to be flexible to that, and that's a good thing. I, I love this, like, this idea here, and it's going to sound <laughs> so little, but if you hear John and I, 
one of the greatest things here is just a better use and an intentionality with your hyperlinks, like making things easier and accessible using that power of hyperlinks. Hyperlinks literally just being a link. That's what we're talking about here. But you know, so many other times, I think I would just sort of put it on the student to, to make those connections. But when I think now like a game designer, right, that, hey, I'm not there in the classroom with them saying, yes, you're going to go here and then here and then grab this. Now they're at their own house. Mm -hmm. And I just got to like trust that this all makes sense. Well, one way to make sure it makes sense is just walk it right through and take that extra two seconds to grab the link myself and highlight that text and say like, go here when we're going to do our Pear Deck and go here when we're going to use our Nearpod and go here, right? And take that moment to connect them. So, and I could see myself, like I said, doing that next year, even in the classroom, because I've seen how powerful that is. And then the nice thing is I have that structure and well, when the when the dial switches to you got to teach at home, boom, they're already used to the lesson one structure, lesson two structure. Hey, he's going to have the links there. I think about Netflix as an example of what is effectively an annotated bibliography. Like, if you liked watching this TV show, you might also like this second, third, fourth. And Netflix, because it's, wait for it, built on the net, like... Every one of those things that you would click would take you to the next thing. Yep. Hyperlinks, right? So if you watch season two of Breaking Bad, you're like, wow, this is the best season of television I've ever watched. Like, if you like this, you'll love Narcos. You're like, all right, I'll check out Narcos. Click on a button, right? It's curating based on what you're consuming other things that may be of relevance or of use for you. And in, in my own classroom, creating visual driven displays because they don't have Lexile levels to them. Like they're more icon driven. They're more hyperlink driven because that's just the language that a kid speaks more naturally. There's no reason why I couldn't do, hey, for this unit on, I don't know, um, the Southern Gothic, we have this main story as like our episode of Netflix, but each of the five episodes that like we'll be talking about would be like a sub story, lecture one, lecture two, lecture three, lecture four. For more information, click this hyperlink. But it looks like a Netflix kind of presentation. And just to present it in a way that a student understands that, like, oh, in the binge watch that is Tiger King, episode four is Crazy Carol, right? Like, it seems like it fits in the right bucket. And then they can click those links that are of interest or relevance to them. It, it's, it's all unified. It's in that same world. I think that's a very beautiful, very zen thing that, yeah, it takes a little bit more time on the design end of things. But the time you're spending in the design and the layout is the time you're not spending on individual emails and playing whack-a-mole trying to get missed assignments and kids freaking out and stressing out and sending at 2 a.m. like, oh my God, I don't know what's due. Like, and you're what you're doing, you're, you're also reducing that cognitive load on the student. Like online learning, at least for the middle school, like they keep telling us at least at our school that like high school, college, you guys got more of a shot at this online learning because kids are a little more used to like, they can read and have that independence. Like, Teaching an 11-year-old is a struggle <laughs> in the classroom, let alone now you add all these barriers. Like, do you know how to click this link and grab this thing? And do you understand, like, tabs and, you know, just little things that maybe we don't think about. But nonetheless, what I was going to say is you're reducing that cognitive load, right? So if, if just the understanding of the mechanics are easier, that frees up a huge mental load for them to now try to understand the Reformation, which most adults don't understand the Reformation. <laughs> Well, I think, Michael, it's, it's cool because yesterday I was kicking around this idea of, and you're the exact right person to talk to. We probably should have talked before we went on air about this because now it might collapse <laughs> in real time. We can just edit this part out and sound really <laughs> smart otherwise. But like, take the short story or the excerpt of the book that you had to teach today 
and make it a Google form. But not that everything is on the same page of the Google form, a multi-page Google form. So like they learn a little bit about the basics of, I don't know, of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And then they have a choice. Would you do X or would you do Y? And it'll take them to the next page of the Google form that says, interesting, you picked X. Why did you say X? They're metacognitive. Well, I said this because based on what I read on page one, I would probably do blah, 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 blah. They type their answer in, and then it says, okay, thanks. Now it goes back to the story, the regularly scheduled story. It's, it's chunking, yep. but done in a sort of choose-your-own-adventure kind of mad libs kind of way. And in so doing, you really are taking that cognitive fatigue and reducing it for the kid because, hey, you don't have to understand all the Reformation. Just understand this first paragraph. When you think you got it, talk to me about why you got it. And if you really want to get clever in your form design, maybe the next piece could take them to a little bit harder question based on what they said to the first one. And gradually, every kid makes his or her own way through the form with a series of questions that were unique to the way that they understood the story. So maybe if so-and-so was the good guy, as they saw it, explain what they did that was good. Push that thinking a little further on the second piece. And like even something as simple as a story like the three little bears or three bears or Goldilocks, it's a cut paste of the story just over four or five pages of the form. And like making them make predictions, informed guessing, depth of knowledge three stuff where they explain why they thought what they thought. Like suddenly that's a much more digestible, fun way to interact your way through what otherwise would have been a pretty staid reading activity. Um, that there's a lot of places that they get lost. In a classroom, I would have paused and I said, hey, let's talk about this. Can't do that at home. But could you use the technology to to help them kind of break it into those those digestible chunks? I think it's, I don't know, I'm really geeked out about it. I kind of want to do that right now. No, that's a that's an awesome idea, and what I want to sort of encourage everyone else out there listening, you know, uh, if you've never really messed with Google Forms or very little, uh, what John's saying to do isn't hard. You can kind of have multiple pages to your thing, and you can just name those pages. So you can say, when they answer this, go to, and you've named your sort of page, and you can kind of say, go here. But I, I want to push us all to sort of embrace John's idea here with a, a philosophy that I know John and I agree on. Start small. Like, you could do that where you, like, chunk it out and ask one of those pause questions, you know, every slide, but that's where we sometimes get overwhelmed and we don't end up doing anything. We kind of, you know, like have way too many choices in our life. So then we just don't make any choice. <laughs> so yes. start, I mean, just listen to what John just said. Super awesome. Even if you just had that one question in there and that sort of X, Y, it'll take them to a different spot based on their answer and then return back to the lesson for the rest of the time. That still would be like a dynamic, powerful lesson that's different than I probably would argue most of teachers are rolling out. So what a great suggestion, great idea. And then after you got that familiarity, try another one of those. Maybe have two in there, maybe have three in there, whatever. So great idea, John. Uh, We all know Google is an amazing tool. So (laughs) we can do lots of things with Google. And that's just another great example of what we can do. Uh, Speaking of Google, I actually use that as uh, a way to collect student work, not in Google Classroom, believe it or not. I know. Look at your face. Your face. I'm is- looking. I'm like I, I, people on the, on the internet can't see, but like I'm making the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so I have a tool that I use. I call it Big Brother, probably poorly named, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, what it is is it uses a Google form. So kids put in their name. They don't really need to put in their name because it's attached to their email, right? So like. It's the, the software, the, the spreadsheet I designed is looking for their email. 
And what it does is they select what, what assignment they're, they're handing in. So I've got a little drop down. Oh, I'm, I'm doing lesson one, right? And then I have two boxes down below, box one. And on my website, it tells them what to do in box one, and it tells them what to mm -hmm. do in box two. So box one might be a good example. Let's say I was doing a short summary, like a paragraph of last night's reading. Well, Google Classroom's great, but I got to literally click 84 kids individually, load John's response, read John's right. paragraph, which the, the reading of your paragraph doesn't take long, but then I got to close that, go back to yep. Google Classroom. Opening click, the hyperlink. They click Billy's, Billy's loads, reads Billy's, right? Oof, like with the amount of online grading, any bit of efficiency in that process is a massive increase in my efficiency. So sure. the box one, I usually have them put their, their th you know, just straight put the statement in there. Uh, box two, sometimes I use for like a link. So if there's uh, like, let's say we were doing a news article, maybe link to the original article there. On my end, it's got all their students' response. It, I can put a time code so I can say like when this assignment was due by and it'll light up if they were like on time or late or missing, different colors so I can see who's missing. It'll give me the average, it'll give me each student's word count and it'll give me the average word count so I can kind of see like, okay, sixth graders, apparently like 150 words was about the average for this. Ooh, John Meehan wrote 12. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> like... Right. So, and then I, I can know, see all, all, all these responses. How this thing exists? How, where did you get this? How can I get it? How much is it going to cost me? Because uh, it sounds like a anything that if you have a hundred students and it takes you one minute to open each of a hundred web pages, don't look now. But that's two hours of your life spent waiting for pages to open. You got it. And when you're staring at a Zoom call or when you're staring at like increasing the speed and productivity of workflow is crucial. Um, so like to, to thread jack this conversation and get back to your conversation, like <laughs> I'll use Google Forms to grade student work and it'll just be a drop down menu, student name, blank, indicator one, indicator two, indicator three, four, or five. And I'll just click drop down menus. Did so-and-so well, did this okay, did this blah, 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 did this, click send, click send, click send. Dumps all that into a spreadsheet. In 15 minutes, I have paragraphs worth of narrative feedback just through drop down menus. That would have otherwise taken me two hours. So, like, using smart imp applications or implementation of internet stuff, like, I'm listening now, like, with a pencil in my hand, like, how do I steal your thing? Because that's going to save me a ton of time on the other end of things. I've absolutely loved it. And then another little feature going with your grade thing, there's a column then for me to put a grade. And up above each of these assignments, I can have a, a little rubric that's tied to that grade. So when I say, John got a four on this, I predefined what like a four response would be. And so then like, boop. And then I copy and paste that into anybody that's used my uh, standard-based grading spreadsheet. I just paste those responses right Tara, in. Tara, you're, you're, you're burying the lead. What is the name of this Big Brother software so I can steal it? Uh, I had a blog post and then I took it down because... It was like linked to some. It was linked to some old thing. I didn't know COVID was gonna hit. I didn't realize this oh thing. Oh my gosh! This is like the thing that could save me. I mean, I'm talking weeks of my life. I'm not spending two hours a day with with what you've just described. In a week, I've spent a full day plus just clicking things. That's insane. All and right. Of course, so of nine every weeks away. So everyone that's listening, I will put a link in. 
I'll put a, I'll put a new blog post on mrmatera.com right with answer. it with it up so you can see it. Right it'll, it'll be titled Big Brother. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know, but like it'll be something. It'll be pretty obvious because I haven't done a blog post in a long time. So it'll be the most recent blog post. Boom! Nailed it. That's, All right. That's so brilliant. That'll be in uh, there. Uh, it is super awesome. Uh, pretty great, and has definitely increased my efficiency on grading these things and student feedback. Uh, I just, I love it. And like I said, you can have it linked to things. So if you want, you know, if they do some outside project, uh, my last one, kids had to make almost like a poster board using Google Slides. So they used a single slide, make it a poster board, blah, blah, blah. And then so on the second box, they put a link to that. In the first box, I made them sort of do a self-reflection, like how do you think you did on it? So I can quickly read like, oh man, like John really is proud of his thing. That's sweet. And I just click the link, load the link. Doop, doop, doop. Love it. Michael, you're stopping this recording right now. You're going to post that blog and like, I'll wait. I'll like tap my foot so it goes live because that's, that's so, a game changer. And I go back because it's May, right? So my year's <laughs> over. But like, if I would have had that in March, like whole different past two months, I'm thinking about entire novels I could have read in that time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. So going back to the topic of today's chat, these are little things that I, I didn't use that before. Before, I didn't use that. So then... I had to clunkily like sort of try to teach kids, hey, we're doing this thing, box one, box two. They all get it now after they've done it like once or twice. But like that was like an awkward thing that I had to introduce now like midstream to the year or tail end of the year. So that's something I'm going to make sure I introduce right away. Do a couple of those assignments, even if we're in class and things are normal and maybe I would have collected it on paper. Well, I'm going to make sure we do one or two big brother assignments so that when we flip that switch, it's not this weird, awkward, like what? He wants me to go to this form and type something in. Like, yeah. which for sixth graders, we don't often have them do forms. They're like, it's something we usually re reserve for like a survey in our classroom or our school, but to like hand in homework or something, that's never been the case. So making sure you try to build in some of those experiences that you know you're going to use. So that's my sort of ending advice here on this, on this podcast that make sure you put in place, especially if we start the year in person, if we get lucky to do that. Make sure you put in place some things that you know are tools you're going to use on the other end. Yeah, I think that that's, that I was very fortunate because I saw this coming um, because I just, you know, as a big thing about an educator, speaker, traveling, presenting, like you have to just keep your finger on the pulse of what you're hearing. So though my local school was not talking about it, I was supposed to be at the ASCD conference uh, in California and that had started to make some murmurings that it might get canceled. So I was like, all right, let me just prepare if that was to happen with my guys. And I said, how do we shift to a thing where the next three weeks could kind of run on autopilot? And so if you are fortunate enough to be with your kids, A, building that rapport so that they know you're there for them and you're a decent human being and you're going to work with them on their timetables and if they need a little bit extra time, you're, you're human and you understand that. But B, hey, since we're all here, let's fire up our laptops and get set up for this or let's do the practice version of like the dry run just so, you know, if we can if we can run, like, you know, fire drills in the classroom, we're kind of doing COVID drills now, like getting yourself ready for that muscle memory. It's better to never need it and yep. to have it in place. And be prepared. Um, yeah. You got it. Well, so, John, that makes it reflection time. And we are going to have to do this one pretty quick because we're already That's long because John and I just love to chit-chat. This one comes from Stephen Hawking, and the quote is, intelligence is the ability to adapt and change. I think we as educators tell our kids every day that they got to do it better, do it faster, do it smarter. And like 
listen to us. We have to listen to what the needs of the world are. And that's being a lifelong learner. You have to model that for our kids. We have one system. That system is awesome today, but tomorrow will be different. And we have to lean into that. And, and I think that can be really powerful for our kids. It's very humbling, but ultimately very humanizing. And I think that will make it good for all of us. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that the idea is if we really want to be intelligent, we have to change. We have to grow. And if anything, you know, technology definitely shows us that, you know, there's always something new. So this idea of being stagnant just doesn't work in our modern world, right? Being a world history teacher, it might have worked that you guys kind of like your whole life may not have changed much, you know, from 1400 to 1470. Not a whole lot changed in the world. But like, ooh, now like even a year goes by and like, there's new cameras, new apps, new this, new that. You can't just sort of say, well, I'm going to lock in on doing this, this, this day and age. It just doesn't happen. It can't. So, Amen, brother. <laughs> so every, so uh, everyone, thank you so much uh, for being making well-played part of your week. John, thank you for coming on to the show this week. Loved having you. Uh, 100%. Once again, I'm Michael Matera, and Well Played is part of the On Podcast Media Network. Go check out their website. There's all sorts of other powerful PD there. You guys take care and play on.